0: Who welcome, welcome, welcome. Episode six of Inside of Julius's mind. Uh I've kind of been on a hiatus, been having to deal with a lot of stuff. Uh so I'm actually happy to be able to do this and get back into like a rhythm of uh recording these weekly and kinda of giving my input on certain things that I see uh happening. Uh this episode We're going to talk about a lot of things. Uh, One in particular, kind of giving you guys a little bit of a rundown. Uh, We're going to talk about Donna Glover. This is America video. And can you be pro-black while dating white? Um, The NBA playoffs, Western Conference Finals, and the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Israel, Palestine. And... um, America's response to the uh, the bombings that happened. Um, then we're also going to talk about the NFL Top 100. Uh, basically, what that means is the NFL gets all their players together, and those players come up with a list in terms of who is the best is. Okay, um, I respect that list more because it's from people that actually play. And then last but not least, we're going to talk about uh, the shooting in Santa Fe, Texas and the reoccurring theme of America and what happens. Well, sit back, turn it up, and then tune in inside of Julius's mind. So now I'm sure you know most people have seen the um This is America video and all the chaos that's happening in the video. Um from basically the first five seconds, you know, you know, child's gonna be O'Donnell Glover walks into the scene, has this black man um put a bag over his head, does a, a Jim Crow style pose, the character of Jim Crow, pulls the trigger, this is America, and that's how it starts, it's probably one of the craziest openings of any song that I've heard in a while, Um, and the body falls out of the chair, right, and there's a guy that runs up to Donald Glover, and he puts the gun in like this red velvet, and closes it, and the body's dragged off. Now, a lot of people say, take, are taking that as we care more about guns than we do about actual people. And me personally, I really can't debate that. It, it's, I mean, it happens, it's happened multiple times this year uh, to where guns and the importance of being able to own a gun is more important than the life that's lost behind a gun, right? Then, while all this is happening, and it's, it's crazy, it's genius, really. He has you so focused on him and his dancing that you can't see what's happening in the background. There's a guy riding a pale horse, and it's like a Bible verse, it's like death, death. Comes on a you know uh, on a uphill horse and hills behind it, and there's a guy that jumps from uh, the top of the, the ledge. Then there's people recording it, and as you can tell, like there's cop cars all in the back, but the cops never come. I think it's probably like the most accurate representation of America that we've seen in music. Then it gets deeper. He goes into a church. It's like nine, ten people shaking. Uh, and they're you know they're getting into it. They're singing, and he comes in, kills all ten of them. And in the same instance from the first time, he uh, puts somebody runs up to him. They take the gun and his red velvet. They close it up. And the bodies are just left there. Now, everybody knows that's that's a representation of the Charleston incident, of the nine people that died in the church. Kind of saying, where are we safe? You know what I mean? Like, if we're not safe in the church, if we're not safe in school, if we're not safe in places that you think that you should be safe in, where are you safe? And when the importance of a gun is placed over your life, then... What's like your your next step, right? But just like it always happens, when you try to bring attention to something, there's always going to be those people that say, I mean, you can celebrate Childish Cambino or Donald Glover all you want, but look at this. And then they brought up that his wife or his girlfriend's wife, sorry, his wife was white. And it started this big thing, the saying, "Can you be pro-black while dating someone white?" Me personally, um, I think that you can. I believe that you can, uh, and I believe that because we all see Nina Simone. As being pro-black, we can all agree that Nina Simone is pro-black. We can all agree that Maya Angelou is pro-black. Uh, we can all believe that we can all we all see that Alice Walker is pro-black. Uh, but those three women, those three black women, had white male counterparts. Now, I'm not gonna make this into a black male, white I mean black female type thing, a type debate, because it's not what I'm here for. I just want to say that if they can do it then Donald Glover can do it too. And then they took it a step farther to say, after he said, I tried to date black women, but they weren't into the type of guy that I am. And all these people came out here with this fake outrage that he had said something that was demeaning towards black women. When the only thing he said is, hey, I'm a weird guy. I'm not a thug like most people are. I'm I'm more creative. I'm more, you know, that's that's who I am. And people took it as, oh, he's talking about how black women only date thugs, blah, blah, blah. That's not what he said. He just said that the black women that he pursued weren't into him, so he opened up his preferences. Right? I don't understand the thought process behind somebody saying, Oh, that's that's demeaning towards black women. And for the people that know me, most of the the power hitters—I'll call them—in my family are black women. Um, some of the most educated black women I've ever met, some of the most powerful black women that I've ever met, are, come from my family. Um, but what happened is, I I, I kind of tried to like stir the pot that's what I do I start the pot to kind of see what reaction I'm gonna get um for those of you who don't know my girlfriend is Hispanic and when we go out and like you know have fun or do whatever we do um she gets dirty looks from black women oh why is he they say you know they muff her breath under their breath uh, same, you know, quick slide remarks, things like that. Um, and I don't want to turn this into like a, a black woman bashing uh, because that's not what it is. But I do want to bring the light that it is nobody's business who you decide to spend the rest of your life with. Uh, man, woman, black, Mexican... Chinese, it doesn't matter. It's all about who makes you happy. And then what kinda of set the icing on the cake was that all those black women that you would see on Facebook and Twitter and whatever the social media sites that were bashing Donald Glover couldn't wait to wake up and watch the royal wedding. I didn't see the difference. Um why is one thing okay, but the other thing isn't? So, I believe that you can be pro black while also dating someone out of your race. The love for your people doesn't change because the love that you have in your heart is for somebody of a different race. Uh, I tell my girlfriend all the time like, black culture and like Mexican culture are not that different. They're all extremely family oriented. You know, other than like, obviously like the food. They all like to dance at parties. They all like to have fun, be around family, be around their loved ones. And I'm pretty sure it's like that in every culture. But I can only speak on what I've seen. And what I've seen is that Mexican and black culture is a very, a lot alike. Um. But I would love some feedback on this. You know, like, can you be pro-black and date outside your race? Can you not be pro-black when you date outside your race? And what does that mean to you? And I kind of open that up because I want to know personally, like, what's your, your thought process behind it? And what is the, the disconnect between black, black men that date outside their race and black women that did outside their race. Um, because, I mean, it happens in every culture. Every I guess, I think every culture wants, without them saying it, wants to be, or or it's kind of like looks down upon people. I'm not gonna say look down, because that's not the word I wanna use. Um, every culture, black, Mexican, white, feel comfortable when they feel like they can be themselves. Right? When they don't have to bite their tongue. And it's kind of crazy, like, I feel like my girlfriend's family is like, welcome me into their family without hesitation. You know, like, the type of love that I've gotten from their family or from her family has been second to none I tell her all the time like that's, I'm extremely grateful for that um, so tell me your opinion can you be pro-black dating outside of your race and pro-black doesn't mean anti-white or anti-anything you know I want to see my culture take the next step in its evolution I think every culture wants that it wants to be the very best what's the next step is And and if you haven't, watch the Donald Glover video. Dude is extremely talented. Um, From his acting to his stand-up comedy to his music. Top tier. You know, entertainment talent. Uh, Being Chu was actually talking about that. He was like, I don't really see in terms of like entertainment. He kind of reminds me of a Jamie Foxx. But I think he's more talented than Jamie Foxx. Um Jamie Foxx may be a better actor now, but Donald Glover has been a voice actor. He was a voice actor for Miles Morales for a long time. Um He was a creator for the Deadpool series that was going to be animated. So when it comes to talent, the dude is top tier. And I think he deserves the respect of being and being that type of talent. Let me know what you think. All right. So I know it seems like every podcast has something to do with this. But I think it just it just attests how often it happens. Um couple days ago in Santa Fe, Texas, they had a shooting. A school shooting. Uh ten died and um ten were injured. And I feel like it just happens over and over again. And we as Americans we've kinda become numb to it. You know? It happens We give our condolences, we give our prayers, we forget about it, it happens again. It's just like like a vicious circle, right? Well, this time, I feel like it should be enough. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not safe at school, where can you, where can you be safe? Right? And then I heard the lieutenant governor of Texas say, the reason the shooting happened was because there's too many exits in the school. If they only had one way in, one way out, this wouldn't have happened. You know what type of, like, Prisoner, prison warden like mentality that it is you blame the architect of building the school but we refuse to blame the actual problem that's getting old it's getting extremely old and a couple days ago the LA Times came out with this article I want to say it was Saturday so I want not say a couple days ago I'll say yesterday um LA Times came out with this article about this girl that was killed in the shooting and the headlines read mother says daughter denied school shootings advances and embarrassed him in front of the class and then you have the audacity of people saying because she did that she deserved to die That may be the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. This generation is like raised by people like that refuses to acknowledge an L. If you lose, take your loss. Get over it. Let it go. And then move on. We're not going to say, oh, it's because they bully these kids. That's why these school shootings are happening. Get out of here. If that was the case, when people were trying to get into uh, segregated schools and those people were getting bullied, why didn't they just show up and show up to the school and shoot people? Is that how crazy that sounds? So this, this situation is going to be the same thing. Um, There's going to be thoughts and prayers. After the thoughts and prayers, they're going to say, is it gun control? Do we need to take away the guns? And it's crazy to me that the people that say there doesn't need to be gun control thinks of it as a gun ban. Nobody wants to take away your guns. If you're a lawful, abiding citizen, then why wouldn't you be in favor of gun control? Right? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's just like saying, on your street, there's no stop signs. And then, gradually, your city councilman comes and says, hey, we're going to put a stop sign there. And you take that as infringing on your rights. No. Gun control isn't taking away the guns. It's just making it harder to get. People say it's hard to get guns. I went into a Dick Sporting Goods in Prosper, Texas. And it took me all for about 25 minutes to get I guess what people would call like a shotgun. I think it was SK12. I think they called it. I later like said, "No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm good. And I just wanted to see what the process was. And if it takes me 25 minutes, obviously I don't have a record. I don't. I've never like been in like big trouble. Then there's really not gonna be anything to do if they like do a background search or whatever. But it's the thought, right? It's like, damn, if it was this easy. That I can only imagine how easy it is for other people. Right? So, I'm I'm all for gun control. Or at least making it difficult. You know, if you go in to buy a gun, you shouldn't leave with a gun the same day. Now, I don't know if it was just the store that I went to, but I feel like I could have left with a gun the same day and if somebody knows something different from that depending on your state inform me of it because I feel like the process is too simple I feel like the process is like really hey here's my ID here's my social security blah 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 here's all my information, here's where I live check my background, once the background comes back clear, here you go no, it shouldn't be like that it shouldn't be like that at all but let me know what you think I like the input so the NBA playoffs has gotten to the point where we're in the Western Conference finals and the Eastern Conference And the Boston Celtics took a 3-2 lead last night. Um, I have to say, what Boston does at home is crazy. They don't have any major superstars. They have a star. uh, They have an up-and-coming young nucleus uh, in terms of um, God, uh, Jalen Tatum uh, Jason Tatum Jalen Brown Uh, then they have Al Horford but they have a pretty good young coach as well Uh, Brad Stevens Um, this may sound crazy but I believe that those road games that they had Mm -hmm. I think they made a they may have threw those to get rest Uh, as you can tell like from their intensity on the road to their intensity back home were very uh, different. They didn't have the same energy. Now it could be just be uh, Nose or something like that. But at home, Boston plays like a different team. Most teams are like that in the NBA. But they are specifically different. Uh, some teams play good on the road and away. And Boston with no Superstars, no Kyrie Irving, no Gordon Hayward. You know, both of which were supposed to be the, the catalyst for a championship coming to Boston. And to look at it now, and those two players not even be on the court, to where you're basically just going behind Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier. And that's how you're getting wins. It's crazy to me. Um, so last night, you know, at you know watching the game, it came out that LeBron was tired. Um, he was exhausted. But if you watch. How LeBron plays he doesn't overexert himself on defense he doesn't really attack the whole game so why is he tired? right um, if you are the best player on the planet be the best player on the planet 24-7 don't be the best player on the planet when you win that's always kind of been my problem with LeBron. When he wins, he makes his teammates better. When he loses, he didn't have enough help. You can't be both. Which is it? I feel like he has to be more aggressive on the road. But you have to find like a healthy medium. Like You have to be able to attack. He only had 26 points last night. You can't tell me, you know, Marcus Morris by himself and the Celtics after what we saw happen in game three and game four, that those guys can just hold LeBron James by themselves. It's impossible. Right? You just can't. You can't sit here and tell me that lie. Um, So now they're heading back to Cleveland. And I really don't know which way this series series is going to go. Um, it could go, it could really go either way. It could really say, we could say, we could say Boston in six. Like I could, I could see Boston winning in Cleveland, uh, but I could also see it as going to seven and LeBron closing it out. But this Cleveland team, when it was put together the first time, uh, after they traded Isaiah Thomas and Channing Frye for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance and Rodney Hood and those guys, uh, we were told by the King himself that now we got a fucking squad. That's what he said. That was a his words. Nobody else said that. Now, if we looked at the success of his previous teams. They've always had a dominant point guard that could, you know, get the ISO if he needed to. Uh, They don't have that now. Um, But yeah, other defensive players, they don't have that now. So, this team, with the team that LeBron wanted in the regular season, is now the team that's not good enough in the playoffs. It's kind of funny to me because if you look on the other side of the court nobody had Terry Rozier being a dominant player. Right? Al Horford had been really dominant since like year five in um, Atlanta. Right? so you know tell me what you guys think you know what's what's gonna happen with this series um, I want to say Boston in seven but I also understand that LeBron James is the best player today so I can't like say hey you know you 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 won't win six and seven right because if he loses game seven they start looking real funny in the life. Because people don't care about your excuses. Nobody cares about excuses. You go out there and you win the game. You play good on-ball defense because you ain't got nothing left to do. You know, last round when they swept Toronto, the number one seed, they was hopping around, jumping around. Now the same energy ain't prevalent. So now you got to figure out what type of person you're going to be right so you guys let me know now transitioning over to the West it's been kind of hard for me uh, game one the Warriors came out stole game one Um and the biggest story of this playoffs so the series is Steph Curry in a slump. Now, his first game, he shot 58% from the field. Second game, he was around 50%. Third game, his field goal percentage dropped, but he was more productive. He had 35 points. Uh, he had 100% in the third quarter but before that it was you know not that good and then game four It's you know it's crazy because what we consider a slump from some players is only because the level of, of player that they are changes our trajectory of it. Chris Paul had a bad game three, he had a great game four. The war, the rock. I mean, the Rockets won that series, that game. So now we're transitioning back to Houston to where it's one you know one game one. One in Houston, one in San Fran, and one back in Houston if it gets to Game 7. Think about this Warriors team is they don't lose back-to-back, and they know they let Game 4 get away. Um, So if we have a healthy team, if Andre Godala plays, if Klay Thompson plays, I'm going to say Warriors win Game 5, and then they get back to Oakland to close it out on the home court. Um... But this Rockets team. um, They're a good team. I don't like James Harden. I don't like the way he plays basketball. Um, I don't like Chris Paul either. But they're a good team. right? Um, Mike D'Antoni perhaps said some of the dumbest shit on the planet. But. It looks like he's he's been able to back it up these last couple of games. He said he wasn't going to change anything after Game One. They changed a lot. They had more ball movement. And they won Game Two. Uh, after Game Three, he said all the pressure was on the Rockets uh, on the Warriors, and then they won they won Game Four. Um, but I don't think there was that much pressure on the Warriors. Um, I don't understand the notion of putting the pressure on on a defending champ. Right? Because they've been there. They've proven that they can do it. now, it's a problem. Okay. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Uh, But I know when the defending champ is discussed, I feel like the Warriors still have to work for respect. Um so it's kind of hard to say who's going to be in the finals uh, but I'm going to say the Warriors and the Cavaliers until either one of those teams loses I don't see them losing as much as I would like to see the Celtics in the finals to see how their team reacts to that level um, so it should be exciting It should be exciting. We should all be excited for something like that. Now, to the NFL. The NFL just recently started to do their NFL Top 100 Players. And... I respect this list for the simple fact that it's a list from players for players. Right? So I respect this list so much because the people that are being voted onto this list are people that NFL players respect. Now, my biggest complaint with this list, and I'm not going to be on the top 100 long because the NFL just did something that I consider to be a slap in the face. Um, Marshawn Lattimore and Michael Thomas was 81 and 80. There's only two receivers that had receptions for a first down more than Michael Thomas. Keenan Allen and Antonio Brown. No receiver had more receptions than him this year. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, Marshall Lattimore, rookie, DB, defensive rookie of the year. Only at 81. Shut down some of the number one receivers in the league eighty one. Now, understand as a, play, as, as a rookie, you have to be out there. You got to prove what you're worth. But he single-handedly changed the entire defense. When As a defensive player, when you don't have to worry about, as a defensive front seven, you don't have to worry about the back end. It makes your job a lot easier. And I, I, I thought that most players would be able to look at that and understand that and say, okay, maybe he should be a little bit higher. On the list, but they didn't. Uh, so he's at 81 and 80. That's cool. I'm excited to see where Alvin Kamara lands. I'm excited to see where Mark Ingram lands. And then I'm also excited to see where Drew Brees lands. And then we still got Cam Jordan. I think they, those Cam Jordan, Drew Brees, they may be in the top 20 somewhere. Um, Alvin Kamara is probably going to be around 20 to 35, 40. Same thing with Mark Ingram. Uh, But I like seeing the reactions to some of the players um, when they're talking about a certain player. Uh, Case in point, Odell Beckham was number 77. And he missed most of the season. Right? And one of the players basically asked the question, you can't think of five receivers better than Odell Beckham. I think it was Jarvis Landry. You can't think of five receivers better than Odell Beckham. It's true. Um, Ezekiel Elliott was on the list. He missed a lot of the season. I think he was at like 51. Um, And it's crazy how the level of respect that players give each other. Because with Ezekiel Elliott, the Dallas Cowboys have a pretty good offense. Without Ezekiel Elliott, they look just like a a regular team. So excited to see that other players notice that across the league. Now to the more serious case, The NFL came out yesterday and announced that players that would not stand for the flag will be fined. the teams will be fined, and the penalty will be accessed and instead of the NFL taking the the high ground. And speaking on what the protest was about, they sat back and they let uninformed people dictate what the protest is about. To the NFL, they know the protest is about police brutality and the unfair treatment of people by the police. It's not about disrespect to the military. It's not disrespect to the flag. It's not disrespect to this country. The protest was to bring awareness to police brutality across the world, across the United States. So, for the NFL to take a no backbone approach and saying in the and Roger Goodell to come out and say people that are going to disrespect the flag and disrespect our troops will be fined and there will be a penalty, a penalty is ridiculous. When 80% of the NFL is black. It really just takes. Two Sundays of people going out and saying. Well. If that's how you feel. Find me. Right. Now what they did do. Is they gave them the option to remain in the locker room. So it's basically giving. Saying like. Hey, either you're going to take our voice or you're not going to have a voice at all. And that's basically taking away somebody's freedom of speech. I think it's ridiculous. Um, Because because I'm a pro-athlete I don't have freedom of speech I can't speak on how I feel about certain situations I think that's crazy I think that's insane Um, I think the NFL really dropped the ball on this there's a lot of different ways that they could have went with this and taking the approach of I'm just gonna take your voice away completely, it's complete bullshit. No matter how you look at it, it's wrong. And then you're gonna have those people that try to change the narrative of the protests about the military, about the troops, you know, about the country, about the flag. And if it meant so much to you, you would sing the entire song, but it doesn't, people only care when they feel like their way of life is being threatened, and nobody's way of life has been threatened, Um, nobody has come out and said, fuck the troops, fuck the planet, you know, fuck America, fuck all, you know, nobody said that. So it's crazy to me, like this is insane. One day they'll get it right. But history shows me that they won't, change won't really happen until it affects them. And since it will never affect them, I don't really see any change coming. It's crazy to think about though. If most of you guys know that, uh, know this, but uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I'm gonna make this quick. This won't be a very long segment. Um, we're wrapping it up, guys. I know, I know it's been a long uh, conversation, uh, but we're wrapping it up. If you feel alone, if you feel like there is no other way, reach out for help. Uh, schizophrenia bipolarism uh depression, all of those things. reach out for help because even while people know people love you, you know what I mean people have want and have nothing but the best for you but They won't do anything without them, un, like, seeing that you need help. Uh, it's basically simple as that. Um, so reach out for help. If you feel like something's wrong, reach out and talk to somebody. Because those people are going to be the people that you need. Okay? Just remember that you're loved. Ah, oh, another exciting, a pain-filled, facts mixed-in episode. Uh, I appreciate all the listeners. I'm sorry I haven't been as uh as tedious re- like releasing these on time. I'm just you know, I've been doing a lot. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate all the listeners, like and share this. Um, if you ever wanna talk about something, or if you want me to, hit, you know, hit on something. Um, hit me up uh, hit me up on my Facebook, Twitter Instagram uh, all those things because I love seeing different point of views I love hearing different point of views and I appreciate it you guys listening um, I'm in the process of trying to put together a logo for the podcast um, so if you guys know anybody that's artistically inclined please point me in the right direction. I would appreciate it. Uh, Last but not least, I know I missed uh, Mother's Day. I didn't release a video, uh, a podcast on Mother's Day, so I'm going to send a late happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, You are appreciated. No Tupac. Oh, a little bit of Tupac. Uh, And thank you for listening inside of Julius's mind.